0: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal or financial product advice.
1: Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Gen Z Money. We are continuing our jobs and career series and today I'll be talking to Lauren who is 24 and a primary school teacher. I learnt a lot in this episode, Uh, we talked about everything from actually getting your first job as a primary school teacher, the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, uh, the type of overtime that you'd expect to do, as well as some of the really great parts about the job, and Lauren shared some advice for those of you who might be looking to enter teaching as a career. So much good stuff in this episode, and I hope you guys enjoy Hi Lauren, thank you so much for joining us on Gen Z Money. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. So Lauren, I reached out to you after seeing your comment in the My Millennial Money Facebook group where you shared that you're a primary school teacher and I thought I have to talk to this girl and find out a little bit more about what that actually involves. (laughs) Um, So I have a bunch of questions for you today. So are you happy for us to just jump right into them? Absolutely. Let's go. Perfect. So for anyone who hasn't um, had the opportunity to talk to you, Lauren, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, so I'm 24 years old. Um, I live in Melbourne and I, yeah, I'm a primary school teacher, as you already said. Um, I've been a primary school teacher for one year, so I'm still, sorry, I'm still in my first year. So, yeah.
1: Amazing. And if we go back to when you were in high school Did you always know that you wanted to be a primary school teacher? What did the post-school journey look like for you?
2: Yeah, so while I was in school, I wanted to be a vet because I absolutely love animals. I love animals and I love kids. So I kind of knew I'd end Mm -hmm. up working with either animals or kids when I finished, but I really thought I was going to be a vet. Um, And then, I don't know, as I sort of got towards year 11, year 12, I did work experience at a vet clinic. And that kind of put me off the whole vet thing. I didn't like everything, (laughs) (laughs) everything that I saw there. And I started, I don't know. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do at that point. Um, So I got into uni, I went and I did a Bachelor of Arts. And so completely different to teaching at that point because I wasn't totally sure. It was sort of always something that's been in the back of my mind. Both of my grandmas um, were teachers. So I've sort of always thought about it before. And I'd done, you know, some volunteering with kids, um, teaching horse riding lessons and stuff like that. So I knew I loved working with kids, but wasn't sure I wanted to be a teacher. Um, So I went to uni, did my Bachelor of Arts. I majored in art history and sociology, which was really, really lots of fun. Um, And while I was there, I did a couple of subjects. So I did some electives in teaching subjects. And one of those, we got to go into a prep classroom. And as soon as I got there, I was like, okay, yep, this is what I want to (laughs) do. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so I finished my bachelor's of arts and then went straight into a master's of teaching and finished that. And here I am.
1: Amazing. So you didn't have to do a a whole new bachelor's. You didn't have to do another undergrad. You could actually just go straight into your master's.
2: Yeah. So you you basically have two options. There's um, the bachelor's of teaching, which you can get straight into from high school, which is So it's four years if you go straight out of high school or you can do a master's, so three years in a bachelor's and then two years of a master's degree. So it's sort of a more condensed course. It's it's not harder than the bachelor's, but it's smushed into two years. So it's quite intense. But yeah, just another way Mm. of doing it.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. So that's the education side of things. What does it look like to become a teacher in a practical sense? Like what are the things that you have to do to get that experience before stepping into a classroom and taking a class yourself?
2: Yeah, so while you're actually at uni studying teaching you do a lot of placements um depending on your uni they're either in short blocks or you might do an entire term at a time which gives you that's where you do most of the learning i'd say that practical experience it's one of those things when it comes to the first placement there's always a huge dropout rate in the courses because that's when you realize if you want to do that or if you don't which is kind of a good thing that people realize you know maybe it's not for them or they absolutely fall in love with it. I find it's it's either one or the other. When I think about my friends, um, my partner actually studied teaching, and he was one of the people who got to his first placement and realised maybe it wasn't for him. And mm-hmm. but yeah, that's where we get the practical experiences on those placements. Um, aside from that, you know, a lot of people studying teaching work at after school care centres mm-hmm. or holiday programs and stuff like that, and they also get a lot of or tutoring and get that experience that way.
1: And in order to get that practical experience, is that something that the university organises for you or is that something that you have to source the experience yourself?
2: So that's something that differs a lot from uni to uni. Um, I know my partner's university, that was one where you had to organise it yourself. So you had to contact the schools. Um, You're encouraged to reach out to a school that you had a connection with in that case. But then my uni had very much the opposite approach. They said, we handle absolutely everything, but you can't know a single person at the school. You can't even have, if your neighbor's kid down the road goes to the school, you can't have a placement there. So it, that was a little wow. bit strange. I'm not hundred percent sure of the reasoning. I think it's an equity thing. Um, but yeah, I was lucky. The uni completely took care of all of that and they just give you the dates and they give you the address and phone number and you show up.
1: Amazing. Yeah. So what was it like for that first couple those first couple of times when you were in a classroom? Were you nervous? Like how did you feel?
2: Ooh, it's my uni, um, it was in the second or third week of semester. The first semester that we were straight into the classroom. We had to teach a lesson on that first day. So I was terrified. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Completely <Naturally>. terrified.
2: <laughs> I hadn't been at a school since I was in school, which was a little while ago now, and definitely hadn't been mm-hmm. in a primary school in a long time. Uh, I remember I was really paranoid about what I should wear. That was my biggest concern. And that's something I see pop up in teaching Facebook groups all the time. Everyone's paranoid about what they should wear on their first day. But then I got in there. I was so stressed. I was bugging my mentor the entire time. I hadn't even met, met her yet, and I was already bothering her. But then I got into that classroom, and I was just like, I can't believe this is a job. I can't believe I get paid to come here and help kids learn and watch them grow. And it was just, yeah, I fell in love with the job on that first day.
1: Oh, that's so lovely. And then now you're a, a couple of years on, what are you doing on a daily basis?
2: Well, I can talk about pre-lockdowns because I'm in a lockdown at the moment. Um, on a normal day, I I wake up. I don't get to school super early. I tend to try and get there around eight-ish. There's other teachers who'll be there from, you know, 7 a.m. I'm someone who'd rather stay a bit later rather than get there earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I get to school at about eight. I sort of get myself organized, get the classroom all set up. Um, get on my emails, you know, any sort of admin things that I need to take care of in the morning and then sort of just get myself ready for those first two lessons of the day. So make sure I have all my printing done, photocopying. So that's half my life is printing and photocopying. I'm just getting everything ready for the kids to make sure that as soon as they walk in the door, I'm switched on and I don't need to be thinking about anything else. I know exactly what I'm doing, how I'm going to run the lesson, exactly what's going to happen. So the the kids start coming in at about 830 30. And then if I have yard duty, I'll be out wandering around, keeping an eye on everything. Um, otherwise I'll just be in my classroom. The bell goes at about nine, the kids come in. And in my school, we have two lessons that are an hour long, then recess, then two more lessons, lunch, and then one lesson. And then the day ends at 3.30. So during the day, during those lessons, I'm obviously <laughs> teaching, assessing kids, um, whatever else needs doing, and then have those little breaks, which are nice so and get s- sort of sorted for the next lesson. Um, Yeah, school day ends, the kids go home and then we generally have staff meetings after school. So I have meetings three days of the week that go till around five-ish. And then after that, I'll be just planning lessons for getting ready for the upcoming days. Or if I don't have a meeting, that's what I'd be doing, just planning lessons, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And out of curiosity, I remember when I was in primary school and we'd go to parent-teacher nights and obviously – everyone's so much older than you but I think about it now Um, being in your early 20s you're probably younger than a lot of the parents that you're talking to did you ever feel like there was any like imposter syndrome or how did you deal with that is it something that you were ever concerned about
2: it's definitely something I still feel a bit it's kind of crazy I'm like who put me in charge of all these kids (laughs) (laughs) I still feel like I'm a kid half the time (laughs) Um, yeah definitely with the parents you know some of them some of them are younger than me or older than me like it's just I don't know. It's funny. Or the ones who have lots of kids who've already been through school and they sort of know how the school works better than I do. So sometimes there's a bit of an (laughs) odd, I'm sure there's not really a strange power dynamic, but I get paranoid that there is one. I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. And, you know, as a teacher, you have to answer a lot of tricky questions and you're sort of expected by parents to have the answers. And that's something I had Mm. to learn to sort of be able to tell parents, okay, like, I'll get back to you on that. Because I felt like, oh, my God, I don't know the answer to this complicated question. What am I doing here? Like, (laughs) who gave me, yeah, sort of that imposter system, like, I don't know enough. And then I sort of realized, no, I do know. I'm just, I'm not experienced yet. You know, I might need to go ask for help or look something up and that's fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Exactly right. And there was a question that I was meant to ask earlier, so I'm just gonna quickly ask that now. Um, this is something I'm curious about. Is it hard to get a job as a teacher post-graduation? Like is it a competitive market? Are there limited jobs out there?
2: It's a hard one to answer. I I got really lucky. I um I think I started applying a little bit early. So I had multiple sorry, multiple job offers when I applied, which was quite nice. I got to be a little bit um a little bit pickier when I chose. But then I did have other friends who maybe started applying a little bit later and weren't able to find jobs um sort of this time of the year around august jobs are starting to pop up for next year so if you're ahead of the game then you're probably going to be okay um but then you know even my friends who didn't get jobs straight out of uni they're doing crt work like a substitute teacher so doing Mm -hmm. that crt work there's always jobs available so even if my friends my friends who didn't land a permanent position they've you know, they're doing their CRT work, they're still getting paid, they're still working as teachers, which is good. I I don't know exactly what the statistics are or anything. I know there's lots of teaching jobs out there because we always need teachers, there's always more kids, there's always new schools. But, mm-hmm. but then I do know people who didn't get jobs. So I think it's competitive in a way, but you're probably going to find work. Like, it's not something that I worried about too much personally.
1: That's good. And then what's the interview process and application process like to get a job as a teacher?
2: Yeah. So I work at a government school um, in Victoria. So I can only speak for Victoria. But what I did, there's a centralized database called Recruitment Online. um, And you go in through there and all of the teaching jobs for all of the jobs in Victoria, so in the state, are all listed up on that website. So it's all through one central database. You do have to go in and apply for each job individually through that but it's all (laughs) nicely right there for you. Um, If you want to work at an independent school, so private schools, Catholic schools, um, anything else like that, that tends to be directly through the school. So I didn't end up looking into that. I knew I wanted to work in a government school, but I do have friends who did that. And so I think it's a similar process in terms of the application, but it's just a bit more direct. What you need to do for a teaching job, I don't (laughs) know how it compares to other jobs um, because I've only, before this I worked in retail and in offices and stuff, but, you have, of course, your resume, your CV, and then there'll be key selection criteria you need to respond to. So there's generally about five that are standard for all state jobs, um, sort of asking about, your know, teaching strategies and stuff like that. Um, those five will be standard. And then a school might add a sixth one, say if sustainable, s- sustainability is really important to that school or technology or something like that. So you answer to all of those, you submit it through the website, um, and then you might get called in for an interview. And then with the teaching jobs, this is something that I wish I'd known (laughs) when I was at uni because no one told me about it. Generally speaking, teaching jobs are, or at least the ones you'll get at first, are contracts. So they're only one-year contracts. And I didn't realize that at first, (laughs) Um, especially if you're a grad. So sorry, I'm kind of going all over the place. but This is good. So when you finish uni as a teacher, you're a grad for four years, I believe. So when you're a grad, you can apply for grad jobs and that basically means you get a bit of extra release time in the classroom to do sort of, a re- there's a registration process you have to do as a teacher. It's a whole complicated thing. I won't bother getting into that. But you, the unis tell you about that. It's, a, it's not too hard. Basically, like a little uni assignment you do once you're in your job to be fully registered. So you finish uni, you're provisionally registered, you can get a grad job. Um, those will pretty much all be one-year contracts. So at the end of the year, the process I'm in at the moment is looking to probably reapply for my job at the same school or um, see if I get rolled over. You can get rolled over once. So a one-year contract can turn into a two-year contract. After that, your job has to be advertised um, and you have to reapply again. Yeah, so the, the ongoing positions are very highly sought after <laughs> by teachers. They're out there, though. Yeah, there that's so interesting. Yeah, it's something I wish I'd knew, known because I didn't realise I'd be in a one-year contract <laughs> when I became a teacher.
1: Yeah. So are you saying that you get the one-year contract, that could get rolled over into a two-year, but then at the end of that you've got to reapply for your job?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and often wow. you have to reapply at the end of the first year. So I'm still – I'm waiting to hear from my school. I love my school, so I'm hoping I can stay mm-hmm. – um, because I think it's because schools, enrollment changes all the time. You know, if the school gets bigger or smaller, depending on Mm. how many classes they need and things like that. So I think that's the reason why there's a lot of one year contracts. So I'm waiting to hear from my school at the moment. But yeah, most, a lot of teachers, especially early in their careers are reapplying for their jobs every year.
1: So interesting. That's a really good one to know for anyone who's looking to get into teaching. And while, while we're on this track of talking about the application pro- process and the things you have to do to become a teacher. Could you shed a little insight on maybe some of the challenges that come with being a primary school teacher?
2: Yeah, so I think the things I was thinking of while I was at uni were sort of all related to um, the job itself and teaching the kids. Like I was worried, like, oh, will I be able to do the maths? <laughs> it's you know, it's been so long <laughs> since I've done math when I was in school, um, and things like that. But then. The, on a day-to-day basis there were things I hadn't thought of like parents so parents mm-hmm. are amazing but they can you know you're working with people as a teacher so you're not always going to mesh well with every personality not everyone's gonna love that you're a grad that is something I haven't faced that too much but I've had friends with parents complaining why does my kid have the grad teacher things like that which is gr- terrible for imposter s- syndrome yeah Yeah, I guess, and the workload is something as well. There's still sort of this misconception that teachers work nine to three and we get summers off, we get school holidays off. It's not how it works, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) That would be great. I would love to get my salary and go home at three o'clock and be done. But, you know, as I was saying before, I always have meetings till around five and then often I'm at my desk till, I try to leave the school, but then I, you know, by six, but then I get home and I'm working for a few more hours Um, there's no such thing as getting paid for overtime as a teacher. And, you know, while you're in the classroom teaching, you can't plan your lessons during that time. So you do have to plan them at home. My overtime, you know, Mm -hmm. will range from an extra hour a day to I've done 40 hours overtime in a week before as well. Like that's not Mm -hmm. unusual. And, you know, speaking to other teachers, it's not crazy. It's definitely a labor of love. If you love the job, (laughs) it's worth it. But there's a lot of extra work that I think people don't realize going in, especially a lot of admin work which you don't realize you know there's a lot of assessing kids and analyzing the data and things like that which I love I think it's fascinating and it it's <laughs> very practical analysis of data cuz you directly apply it to your teaching but I don't think everyone's necessarily prepared for that you know you think you just go in you have fun with the kids and then you go home and there's there's more to it than that <laughs>
1: I'd love to, um, to hear more about the holidays thing. Because I remember when I was a kid, I just assumed that the teachers were having the holidays off with us and lounging around doing nothing. And I was pretty shocked when I heard that they were actually doing work over that time. So what does that time look like for you? Is it really a holiday?
2: Uh, not really. I guess I, I, what I try to do so far, you know, I've only had a couple of holidays, is take the first week off and try not to do anything. Um, mm mm-hmm hasn't ended up happening yet there's a lot of time sort of getting ready for the new term I try and plan as much as I can during the holidays so that I don't have to do it try and do too much um after school during the term so for example like last holidays I think I spent the whole last week planning I planned every math lesson pretty much for the term and then of course I've had to go back in and tweak those you know depending on um responding to the needs of the kids in my class like you can never make a finite lesson early and expect that to work <laughs> you have to keep changing mm-hmm. things but during the school holidays it's just a lot of planning sometimes you know talking to other teachers a little bit I try not to bother my coworkers over the holidays but um yeah just planning it's one of those things everyone thinks we have all of these amazing holidays and we do being a teacher is amazing I do get a long summer break and I'm thank- I'm very excited and thankful for that because I feel like during mm-hmm. the summer I don't know because I've never had a summer as a teacher But I'm hoping there'll be a bit less planning over the summer because it's coming into the new year. But yeah, the school holidays during the term are definitely there's a lot of work that teachers are doing behind the scenes during that time.
1: Yeah, definitely. So what are some so obviously there are challenges that come with being a teacher, but there must be a reason you're doing it. You must love the job. So could you share with us some of the things that you love about being a primary school teacher?
2: Absolutely. I feel like, yeah, thinking about what I've just said in this interview, it sounds so negative. And honestly, it's the most amazing job in the world. Like it's all worth it. Just coming in, I teach year one, so I've got very little people in my class. So cute. And, oh, they're gorgeous. They're so sweet. But teaching them, you know, they just, they light up your day completely. Like if I've had a bad morning or a bad night and I come into school, I know in my previous office jobs, if I was in a bad mood, I came into work, I stayed in a bad mood because I was (laughs) 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 especially in retail or even yeah when I was in an office because I was just sort of sitting there but school when you when you come into the classroom and then the kids come in and they're all so excited they're all smiling and just they're so excited to tell you about you know whatever they've done the night before or what they're gonna do and (laughs) they're showing you their artwork and it just you can't be in a bad mood while you're at school it's just amazing and then seeing them learn, you see them have, especially the little kids, big kids as well, but they're, they're a little bit more um, discreet about it, I guess, when they have these light bulb moments where they just get something. And that's what makes it worth it. Like if you're teaching a concept they haven't learned before and you see them really thinking, and then suddenly just a light bulb goes off and they're like, oh my gosh, I understand it. They're so excited and you can see so much growth from them. And it's just an incredible job. It's the most rewarding job I've ever had. I can't imagine having another job. So all of, yeah, all of the things that are tricky about it are worth it. And I think that's why not everyone can stick with it, because there are things that, you know, make it a hard job. But if you love it, it's it's just the best job in the world.
1: <laughs> that is so sweet. I'm just imagining all those little kids coming into the classroom in the morning and it warms my heart. Oh,
2: it's so <laughs> cute. Like even during lockdown, I've been, you know, having to have WebEx classes with my kids, which I can imagine would be really difficult. But they just come on. They're so excited and they just they want to see all their <laughs> friends and they want to see you. And it makes, even working from home is lovely, which
1: is really strange. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. So I imagine, obviously, as a teacher, there are, you need the technical skills, you need to know how to teach and do your job as a teacher. But what are some of the, maybe the soft skills or the skills that you don't really think about that would make for a good teacher?
2: Yeah. So I think you have to be very patient, you know, in lots of different situations, teaching kids. And I mean, you're working with people all day, which is happens in a lot of jobs, but often you're working with very young people in my case and it requires a lot of patience. Um, I also have a lot of students in my class with additional needs. So being able to be patient and also be creative and, you know, I think, yeah, patience and communication, not just with the kids, but you need to be able to communicate with other teachers. You need to, um, I often liaise with sort of wider care teams of, occupational therapists and psychologists and speech therapists and all kinds of (laughs) all kinds of people to help support the students in my class so you need to you know have good communication and organization skills um also with parents you know keeping parents in the loop and (laughs) talking with them and building a positive relationship with the parents is really important I think some people forget about that they think it's just about the kids but if you, if you don't have a good homeschool partnership with the parents, the kids aren't going to learn and they're not going to thrive in the same way. What else? I guess, yeah, organisation, patience, good communication skills. Yeah.
1: Amazing. So with all that in mind, uh, let's say that there's someone listening who's maybe thinking about going to uni or maybe they're in uni and, they're, and they're, they just want some advice. What advice would you give someone who's aspiring to be a primary school teacher?
2: Yeah, so I think if you're not quite sure, I would, you know, if you're not sure if you want the job or not, I would advise trying to do some volunteer work before you start the course. So you can, a lot of schools um, accept volunteers into the classrooms. You just have to ask them. Not all schools do. And I know during COVID, it's a little tricky at the moment, but if you're able to organize that um, or even working as an education support um, staff member or also the called teacher's aides, depending on the school, Um, sort of getting that experience even before you start the course, I think is amazing because you can figure out if you, if you love it and then also looks great on your resume <laughs> later on if you decide to stick with it. But yeah, I guess my advice would be if, if you love kids, if you love education, I think it's an amazing career path. You know, there's so many different things you can do. It sounds cheesy, but you do change lives. I, at least I hope I do <laughs> in the job. Yeah. I think you have to be very dedicated and compassionate and you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know what else. I think yeah, if you're thinking about it, try and volunteer, but I absolutely recommend it. It's an incredible job.
1: Amazing. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. This has been so insightful for me who who probably won't ever end up as a teacher. So I imagine it's been uh, very interesting for those who are looking to get into that career as well. And from what you said, you sound like an amazing teacher and I'm sure you'll have no problem getting that contract renewed at the end of the year. So best of luck <laughs> for that.
2: Thank you so much. I got my fingers crossed, hopefully. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on and I'm sure maybe we'll speak to you again in the future. Amazing. Thank you so much. Hey guys, it's Azari again, back with a little end note to this episode. Uh, one question I forgot to ask Lauren on this episode was how much primary school teachers get paid. But thankfully, she told me this before we started recording um, and this was new information to me. But what she told me is that for teachers who work for government schools, that information is publicly available. So if you search the state that you live in um, and you search teacher salaries, all of that information is online so you can get a good idea of what teachers get paid. Sorry for not including that one in the episode. Total slip of the mind. Again, hope you guys enjoyed.